All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Mark LeBlanc. Uh, I'm based out of Minneapolis. I happen to be the chairman of Indie Books International. Welcome to this uh, edition or episode of our marketing with a book, not the marketing of book, but marketing with a book um, video podcast. And I'll be your host uh, here today. I've got an amazing uh, guest to interview, but first and foremost, just a teeny weeny bit about indie books. Uh, we've been in business now for approximately seven years, and um, we eat, sleep, uh, drink, and breathe writing the right book. We hear so much about you should write a book, um, but that's not uh, what we think. We think that it's more important to write the right book and that somewhat contrarian, um, while we want you to sell market and sell your book, it's more about what your book leads to. If your book can be a gateway tool to doing more consulting work, more uh, coaching assignments, more training engagements, and more keynote speeches, um, that that is where we want you to go uh, with your book. So thank you so much for joining us today. And as we uh, often do, uh, we will do a little author roll call where you get a chance to shine a light uh, on your book for uh, a moment, your name and where you're from and hold up your book if you have it, or just share uh, a bit about uh, what your uh, upcoming book is. And, and I will go first. Uh, my name is Mark LeBlanc. I'm out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and currently uh, working on co-authoring a book with Scott Love and Henry uh, DeVries called Rainmaker Confidential. Chris, why don't you take it away and then Diane? Super. Thank you very much, Mark. My name is Christopher Hodges. I live in Denver, Colorado. My book is conveniently floating over my shoulder, Noble Automation Now. And that's all about transforming, innovating, and motivating people, which is combining the technologies of automation together for the betterment of all stakeholders. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Allison and then John. Hi, Allison Tabor. And my book is Work Your Assets Off, Stop Working So Hard in Business and in Life. And I was excited that actually not only was Henry at my book launch in Oakland pre-COVID, uh, so was Diane. So it's good to see some familiar friends and you know faces out here. So I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, and thanks for the opportunity to say hello. Nice to see you again. Thank you, uh, John, and then Diane. Hi everyone. I'm John Lockhorst. I am also from Minneapolis, Minnesota, and my book is Mission Critical Leadership. Great. Thank you, Diane. Hello, everyone. My name is Diane Ploiss. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area as well. The book that is in progress is Questions You Need to Ask Before You Buy a Franchise. Thank you, Diane. I think we got everyone here for today. Um, it is my distinct honor to uh, introduce uh, to you our guest, uh, Darren uh, LaCroix. Um, there we go. Uh, Darren LaCroix. 
a friend of mine over many years. Uh, we've had a similar journey uh, and path along the way. Um, but Darren would describe himself as a real life uh, underdog. And uh, uh, I don't feel so bad now uh, because I bombed in my first paid uh, professional speech. And I remember it like it was yesterday and ended up the president of the National Speakers Association. Darren has a similar journey where after a failed business in 1992, Darren took a dare and took the stage in an open mic night at a Boston comedy club. He bombed miserably. It was horrible. The headliner that night told him, keep your day job, kid. Friends told him that his dream of making people laugh for a living was crazy and stupid, but he didn't listen. Less than nine years later, in 2001, Darren LaCroix outspoke 25,000 contestants from 14 countries and became the world champion of public speaking. Ironically, with a very funny speech. Some said it was one of the best speeches in the history of the contest. World champion. Darren is currently the only speaker in the world who is a CSP, a certified speaking professional, a designation from the National Speakers Association, an AS, accredited speaker, and a world champion of public speaking. In spite of this, Darren always reminds people the letters after your name are not as important as the professional that you become in the process and on your journey. Uh, Darren, uh, thank you for joining us and welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. I, I, by the way, I wish I had that franchise book, questions to ask beforehand, because that was my business failure was a franchise, a Subway sandwich shop, which at the time had a 98% success rate back I in 1990. 5,000 stores, 98% success rate. I had to screw up really bad to be in the 2%. But here I am. I think that's the reason you you invest in a franchise is guaranteed success, is it not? <laughs> uh, yes, that is why. That's the only reason the bank gave me money because I had uh, that success system and I was right out of college. Darren, let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, and I'm guessing uh, you may never have been asked this question before, but when you came off that stage, in the Boston Comedy Club, as you were walking off stage, how did you feel about, did you realize you had bombed? Oh, definitely not. I didn't bomb in my mind, if you polled anybody else in the audience. So real quick setup to understand what I was thinking as I walked off. I, I brought 23 of my friends. It was, I told them, cause I was a mama's boy. I chickened out of everything in my life. So I brought my friends and I said, you make sure I go up. I'm going up tonight. I don't care if I cry or whine, I am not going through this again. So make sure I go up. And I was so nervous that what I was saying and what I was doing with my body was not in sync at all. And I 
had this one joke uh, that I said this, uh, I was talking about the first liquid fuel rocket launch in history in my hometown. But when I was describing it, it had only gone 41 feet high, but I described it. And I said the, the rocket took off and it went vertically but I did horizontal with my arm. Thank you for getting that. I appreciate that, Diane. She got it right away. And at the instant, I realized I messed up and I just said, ah, oh, shoot. That's not the actual word I used, but I said, ah. Oh. And everybody laughed. And I was like, what, what, what happened? <laughs> Wait a minute. And as I walked off the stage, that was the only laugh that I got. And one of the other comedians was consoling me, puts his arm around me and goes, don't worry, man, it's just your first time. And I remember thinking, just my first time, did you see what I did? I got a laugh. No one told me I could do this. I'm in. And I signed up for every class that I could. I got every mentor that I could. I read every book that I could. And I just said, I don't care how long it takes. I am going to figure this out because that was magical. And no one told me I could do this. It was, it was kind of like an instant drug, only it was good. And I just, you know, I looked at it. I'm like, uh, a professional sports player, best career, best in the business is like five or six years. I'm like, George Burns is a hundred. I got like 80 years to figure this out. <laughs> um, thank you, Darren. Speaking of mentors, um, we know that no one accomplishes uh, anything great alone. Can you um, share a bit about the mentors in your life and maybe a pearl or two of what they have shared with you along the way? Yeah, two come to mind instantly. And the, the best thing I knew, so in Subway, uh, I had a ego. I thought I knew, even because I went to four years of business school. So I, I knew in comedy that I didn't know. So I was open, I was a sponge, I was eager. And every headliner that I talked to, every teacher that I had who was an active headliner in the Boston comedy scene in the 90s, they, they told me this one thing, never turn down stage time. Stage time, stage time, stage time. And they said, any day that you get on stage is a day that you don't grow. And I thought, what? I thought I have to be good. They said, no, 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 you have to go up to get good. And that was a shift in mindset. So my license plate, I live in Las Vegas, my license plate in Las Vegas says stage time. I never wanna forget the one habit that I just took on and lived. And I remember my high school buddies didn't make, uh, they used to make fun of me because they would see, I would drive from Boston to Portland, Maine to go on stage for five minutes for free and then go home and go to my day job the next morning. And they said, Darren, you're stupid. And now fast forward to today, pre-COVID, I got to fly all over the world and do what I love to do for a living. Now my same high school buddies look at me and they say, I'm lucky. Apparently you can go from stupid to lucky. <laughs> if someone's ever said you're stupid, keep going, you're on the right path. But, but they didn't get it. They didn't understand in that area, this is most important. So that's how I found Toastmasters is at the beginning when you're horrible, no one wants to give you stage time. I don't blame them. So in Boston, there's a hundred wannabe comedians vying for uh, four different nights at four different clubs. And that's the only time you even can think of getting on stage. And so when I came across Toastmasters, uh, I was sitting at my desk. I had a day job at the time. I worked for Bose Corporation and they had a Toastmasters club. And I, I got this newsletter came across my desk. I'm like, Toastmasters, what's that? I start reading them like, hey, wait a minute, here's a place I could get stage time during the day. Comedy clubs are only open at night. I could fail twice a day. Woohoo! 
And so I walked into my very first Toastmasters club and I noticed, you know, keep in mind, my only experience at that time was at a comedy club. And I'm a shy, quiet kid who had no business being on stage. So I walk into this Toastmasters club and I noticed something night and day difference. These people were warm, encouraging, and sober. So I immediately joined four Toastmaster clubs because I wanted to double my failure rate. And it's because of that commitment that eventually you catch on. So just like the, the new book that you guys are working on for me, 17 Minutes to Your Dream, it's about getting 17 minutes of experience at least every single day, making mistakes, getting that experience because experience is the best teacher. And so that was number one. And then number two was when my ego did start getting in my way when I thought I was a good speaker and I brought, <laughs> I was working on my world championship speech, the biggest speech in, the, in my life. And my coach, Mark Brown, who I believe you guys know, I know Henry knows him. Um, Mark Brown, who was a 95 world champion, I drove two and a half hours to New York to work with him. And I handed him the first version of my speech, the greatest speech in the history of Toastmasters. And I, and I swear, as I handed it to Mark, it was like choirs of angels. And when Mark took the speech, if you don't know Mark, he stands about six foot two. He's a native of Jamaica and he's got this beautiful booming laugh like the guy from the old 7-Up commercial. Ah, ha, ha, So I handed it to him, Mark looked at it. Oh, Darren, we have some work to do. <laughs> what? I did everything you told me to do and I wrote the greatest speech that I could write from the level I was at. But you don't know what you don't know. And I realized my ego was in my way. I was a good speaker. I was not world-class. And here it, I am getting feedback some, from, from someone who is world-class and I'm arguing with him. And so in that moment, I realized if you're not coachable, there is no cure. Mark? If you're not coachable, there is no cure. Uh, what a great line. I wanna, I wanna circle back to something that you said because I wanna make sure that I uh, understood it or heard it correctly. Did you say that you joined not one, but four Toastmaster clubs at the same time? Mm -hmm. Yep, they were different days of the week. So I could go to a breakfast club on a Tuesday and another club on a Monday, and then a club on Thursday and a club at Bose on Friday. So every week I just got four more stage times than I had before. And I would be the guy at the club if somebody didn't show up, um, anyone wanna volunteer? I'm like, Yes, <laughs> I didn't want to hog the stage, but I was smart enough to listen to my mentors and take what they said, literally. Any day you don't get on stage is a day that you don't grow. So if I get on stage twice in a day, I would grow twice as fast. I like that because I got a long way to go. So yes, I joined four clubs and I took every amount of stage time I could. I've always admired you and respected you uh, but now I think uh, you are my hero. Mm. Um, when Henry and I started Indie Books International, we started it with a, uh, a simple outlook on what we call the showcase strategy. And the showcase strategy is speaking for no fee in a target uh, rich environment. Mm -hmm. And um, it's hard to understand why more people will not adopt and adapt 
the showcase strategy to get that uh, that sense of stage time. And it's, I mean, I think it's easier today than ever. I think it's one of the gifts of COVID that we can create a showcase strategy virtually. Mm -hmm. uh, we can create um, we can create stage time on our own from across uh, the lens. Um, yeah, when I when I in the day pre-COVID, uh, in the spring and the fall, I get to invited to Toastmasters conferences to headline for free uh, around the world. And I used to, every weekend, I would go to a conference. Now I can be in three different countries in two days. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a blessing if we look at it that way, you know? Uh, I've, I've built my uh, little empire, which I think is a bit of an oxymoron. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, on the on the premise or the understanding that where two or three are gathered in the name of growing their business, by God, uh, I want to be there. Mm -hmm. And I've implemented the showcase strategy uh, now almost almost twenty eight years, um, a month in uh, and month out. Um, Darren, when you look back at that kid. Uh, who walked off the stage, if, if you had a piece of advice for him today, what would it be? In 92 or in 2001? In 92. In fact, let's, let's take both moments. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's start with 92 and then fast forward to 2001. Well, in 92, I had that right mindset. Everyone else looked at all the times that didn't work, you know, and I looked at that five minutes of time. I had one thing that worked, it was by accident. And my philosophy was if I can get rid of everything else that didn't work and figure out how to reproduce the one thing that did, I could do this. So all I would do is say, dude, hold that thought. Don't ever let go of it, uh, which of course my ego got in the way and eventually I did, but I walked off stage, now I can see it with the best strategy ever. I didn't care how long it took. No one told me I could do this. Uh, I'll figure it out. You know, that and a lot of prayer and a lot of uh, bowling alleys. Oh, I got it. I have to show you this. So uh, everyone has a naysayer and <laughs> my brother was my naysayer. I love him, he loves me, but he told me no one will ever pay you a dollar to do stand-up comedy, to try and make people laugh. And so early in my career, when I was just creeping past those open mic nights, and I was doing a bowling alley in West Springfield, like an hour and a half away, and they would give you 25 bucks for gas. So you technically weren't getting paid, but he was, they were reimbursing the gas. And so when, I, when they handed me the 20 and the five, I walked right over to the bar and I said, change this five. And the first dollar that he handed me is right here. Oh, I have a comedy tragedy mask. And this is this is the, an image in my book, Henry. Um, I took the $1 bill and this was always on my wall. And in my mind, that was like <clears throat> the naysayer's mouth. And I stuffed it in his mouth and it's still in my office today. Bam. Oh, that's great. What about after you won the world championship? Uh, after I won the world championship, 
I think I would almost take the same mindset and I would remind myself, don't take this for granted. Don't take any stage for granted. But the night before the world championship, Mark, my coach, saw my ego starting to grow right in front of his eyes because was, I was one of nine finalists out of 25,000 contestants. So the, the speech contest is in front of 2,000 people. I had never been in front of that many people, but I was like doing the math. This was before I lived in Vegas and I was like, my odds are pretty good here actually. Uh, I had a great coach, I prayed my butt off and he could see my ego was growing and I started to turn into that little creature from Lord of the Rings, you know, precious, precious. And I started lusting the trophy and he pulled me aside. He saw it and with his wisdom, he gently and kindly said, Darren, tomorrow morning, you have the privilege of 2000 lives. What are you gonna do with that? And for seven minutes, I had the privilege of 2000 lives. So I literally, right now, I keep that mindset. And right next to my camera, like it's the last time. Someone in your audience, it is the one and only time they'll ever hear from you. We get the privilege of influence. Don't ever take that for granted. And again, for a while, I was humble. It took me two years to fully absorb how my life would change. I had never been out of the country in my life. And a month later, I got invited to uh, Malaysia. I was like, what's Malaysia? I didn't even know that was a country. Uh, honestly, I didn't. And being going there to speak, it was, it was kind of crazy. So my life changed. I would just tell myself that same thing, like, don't forget this. So in the moment, like if you, I think Henry, you've seen the, the acceptance speech, I'm flipping bawling. Uh, <laughs> I use the video now to connect with my audience because in the moment, like I had never won anything in my life. I've also never worked so hard in my life. So um, I would probably just encourage myself, dude, it's time to quit your day job because it took me a month and a half. And here's a story most people don't know related to uh, marketing. Uh, I won August 25th, 2001. At that time, I was like, okay, I can use this. I can get on the Tonight Show. And if I get on the Tonight Show, my career will blow up. And so I heard about a publicist. I hired one of the best publicists that I was aware of, uh, $12,000, $3,000 a month. Um, and put it all on my credit card. I was like, it'll pay off. I know it'll pay off. And if you think of the date and the timing, two weeks later, September 11th happened and all of my money was gone. And I was scared. And one of my buddies uh, came up to me. He said, when are you gonna quit Bose? When are you gonna quit your day job? And I was like, well, in January, in January, you know, he said, Darren, you've been saying that for four years. When are you gonna quit? And I thought about it. And I said, but Bose is my safety net. You know, I have a flexible schedule. I can go do a speech. I come back, I still get my benefits and I still get a check every week. And he said, Darren, Bose isn't your safety net. It's your drag net. And that was right between the eyes. And I, and I didn't want to quit because uh, I didn't, I wanted to buy a house. I didn't have a mortgage yet. I didn't have a family. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids to support. Well, those are exact reasons I should do it then because I don't have any of those obligations. So um, my coach, I had two coaches. My other coach, um, I got a call from his son that he passed away in the middle of the night for no apparent reason. And he was the only guy in the room who was more excited than I was when I won because it was his dream for years to win. And so he got a piece of that victory through helping me. 
And so they, I was invited to talk at the funeral and I said, what do you say about a guy who helped you have the coolest moment in your life? And uh, he had said one brilliant thing worth sharing too. When I had won five levels of the world championship speech contest, there's six levels. So I had won five and Dave, my other coach had been to the fifth level, but he never even placed. And Mark Brown just happened to be speaking at that convention when I won the fifth level. And Dave, after I won, walked me over to Mark Brown and think about this. He walked me over to Mark Brown and he said, Darren, I can't take you where I have not been. I can't take you where I have not been. And so he had never been to the big dance. He didn't know what it was like and Mark had. So he kind of handed me over to Mark and what a beautiful, generous gesture because he could have kept me all to himself and he got to cut all the glory instead of Mark. But um, anyway, it's just, I love that idea. You can't take someone a place you haven't been in. I see a lot of paid people who want to be paid speakers. You know, they want to teach people to make money in uh, say YouTube and they've never made a dime. It's like, no, like, ah, anyway. Okay. I'm back. Go ahead. Well, uh, thank you, Darren. And I'm, I don't want to assume anything, but uh, after 2001, did you say it was August 25th? Yes. Um, I would assume that forever you have been well since then, and uh, you were discovered and you arrived at a level of success that has been consistent now for going on uh, 20 I, I I admire the straight face when you ask that. That, that is talent. That's talent right there. Gold, Jerry, gold. No, when I, when I walked out the door at Bose a month later, I didn't even give a, a, a two-week notice. I gave a 24-hour notice. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. I, I'm leaving. Like, they don't, you know, it was a telemarketing department. They had plenty of other people. It wasn't going to put them in any bad situation. And when I walked out the door, one of my buddies said, what can we do to help? I said, save me a place at the dinner table because I don't know if I'm gonna make enough to eat, but I gave myself one year and I looked at what I did have. I took inventory of what do I have? And at that time I had a four CD set, learn how the pros make them laugh and a self-published book, uh, laugh and get rich. And I said, you know what? I just got all these invitations to speak anywhere and everywhere for Toastmasters around the world. I'll turn these free speeches into some kind of income. Uh, and then uh, Mark, do you know Rick Siegel? I do. So Rick was one of my mentors back in the day in NSA, New England, and he pulled me aside. He said, Darren, you won the world championship. You need to create a product about how to be a better speaker. And I was like, the world does not need another horrible presentation skills speaker because I had seen no many of them. So I refused and he would not stop. He would not stop. And so finally I created a, a set um, because I liked creating audio programs. So back in the day, I think it was cassette. Um, but anyway, I created a program called Speak Like a Champion. And I just kind of, I had recorded every step of my process. So I had the process I went through, the questions Mark asked me. And so I documented it, put it into a four CD set, Speak Like a Champion. And it instantly became my number one revenue stream. I'm like, oh, oh, they want what? Oh, I get it now. And so I kind of reevaluated my uh, what product really meant. It wasn't a product. It was what, what's the problem that I can help them solve, you know? And like you said, Mark, it, it's not having the book, you know, your philosophy is the right book. And so I had the right book for the right market. And that was, that was a huge aha. 
And what do you have that other people want? What problem can you help solve? So um, I started back of the room selling before back of the room selling was uh, legal in the NSA, National Speakers Association world. And Mark, I don't think you know this, but the year uh, I had a lot of CSPs, which is called a certified speaking professional. I had a lot of CSPs come to me learning how to, they wanted to make money in the back of the room with CDs and DVDs and what I was doing. And I was like, wait a minute, something's wrong with the system. When CSPs come to me, but back of the room sales don't count in the CSP world. So, and then I was like, stop whining, Darren, suck it up, buttercup. And I wrote a letter to the, to the board and they ended up changing the rules. Now, I don't know, I can't say it was because of my letter, but the timing was then. And so I got my CSP because I wrote the letter saying, hey, I have to be good or they won't buy in the back of the room. That should count. Anyway, back to you. You know, you mentioned something and uh, uh, I guess I just want to say, don't get me started on the CSP. Um, <laughs> but um, because I, I was a late bloomer uh, in the CSP uh, department and uh, took a lot of bullets over the course of time uh, for not having, my, <clears throat> excuse me, for not having my CSP. But the, uh, the truth was um, you cannot get it if you only meet seven eighths uh, of the criteria. Mm. Um, but through a couple changes, maybe it was, you know, part of your letter uh, was part of the impetus and they did change the game a little bit. And I did receive my CSP uh, in 2018. And, and something that uh, I want to encourage our listeners in our studio audience, uh, as well as uh, those that might be listening or viewing uh, this episode, is whether you are a member of NSA or not, go to uh, nsa.org and download the criteria for earning uh, your CSP because that may come around at some point in the future. But to your introduction, it, it's the person you become or the professional that you become along the way. Um, I never would have known it until 2018, but had I downloaded the papers and the requirements and just started filling in the forms. I mean, it's less than five minutes per engagement. <laughs> Why not start tracking uh, your progress uh, along the way? Would you agree or? Yeah, and in fact, Toastmasters has a designation called the accredited speaker, which is like their version of the CSP, but it's a, you know, a lot lower um, hoop to jump through. But. Anyway, I went, I was dared and I was like, I'll, I'll do that. And the process, you know, I, I was inspired by the thought that Jim Rohn said, he said, make it your goal to be a millionaire, not for the money, but for the person it makes you. So I said, why not? I went through the accredited speaker and one of their things they needed to do is go back to previous clients and actually reach out to them and give them a survey that goes directly to Toastmasters that would say, you know, we had Darren in, he rocked, he helped the audience, da da da, we're glad. And yes, we paid him uh, X amount, whatever that was. And so I'm doing this and I'm reaching out to past clients and I got rehired by one of them because I reached out. Like, duh, this is what I should have been doing anyway. If somebody's hired you before, I know this from Bose Corporation. When, when I worked in the direct marketing division, if you called in and asked for literature, they would mail you till you buy or till you die. That was their philosophy. But if you purchased an acoustic wave music system or a Bose wave, if you purchased, they would mail you twice as much. 
which seems counterintuitive, but your best customers are your best customers. So if you're listening to this, when's the last time you reached out to people who've given you money in the past? Just check in, see how they're doing. What else could you do? Uh, it might be the best time spent. Mark? I love it. Um, and I, I think we think a lot uh, alike. And so I'm glad to hear that. Um, that's where your sliver of gold is, hmm. is maintaining those relationships. In fact, it was one of the reasons why it took me so long uh, to get my CSP was because I had fewer clients that I spoke for more often and uh, was difficult to jump over some of the barrels and through the hoops because I didn't meet a number of, you know, several of the of the metrics. So I, I think that you're spot on. I, I think for a lot of speakers, they love having a list of satisfied clients, uh, but for many, the thought of going back to them um, is really scary. <laughs> um, and I think part of it is the they might ask of, for their money back. <laughs> well, the fear of finding out that just maybe I didn't do as good a job as maybe I thought I did. And I, I don't want to open up that door again, but in, in reality, um, and, and we all have an off day uh, here and there, but in all reality, your list of past clients is there's a sliver of continued gold mm -hmm. in there. Um, Darren, you're sharing so much with us. Um, I want I want you to, to describe, and, and I'm specifically going to look at maybe the last 20 years. Um, I've got to think that there's been a moment or two when the world thought you were amazing, but your back was against the wall. Hmm. Can you describe a valley that you've been in and uh, maybe what caused it or and, and or what you did to get through it? Yeah, in uh, 2018, I was working hard. I have a staff of five people at that time. And when I had the staff, I, I was I was always a hard worker. I had no problem working hard. And that was one thing I did learn from Subway and took away from that. But what I wasn't doing as a reminder is I wasn't keeping track of my numbers. I wasn't seeing, keep staying on top of if my marketing was working or not. And in uh, August, 2018, I had to pull my staff aside and apologize. And I said, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to cover payroll next week. And honestly, I did, I did not. And so I, was dying and searching for something. I was praying about it. And I ended up going to a, um, I was a big fan of uh, ClickFunnels. Um, and I went to see, I went to an event. A friend had invited me as a guest for free to go to this ClickFunnels event that they paid a ton of money for, Russell Brunson. And I went there and I was like, okay, I gotta walk away with some strategy. I got like a week and a half and I'm not gonna have enough money in my account. So they, they brought me back and um, they were, I searched out every like advisor there was, every consultant, ClickFunnels consultant that was there, you know, who are independent, but working with ClickFunnels. And I had ClickFunnels, I liked ClickFunnels at the time. And I just asked, and there were two or three who offered a discovery call. And I told them, look, I get what a discovery call is. It's your opportunity to help somebody and then pitch them to spend money. Here's where I'm at. And I can't pay you anything. If 
you know, I can turn my business around, I will be happy to. But as long as you understand that I got nothing and I just opened up and I was transparent. And so two of them were still more than willing to do this discovery call for me. And um, one of them, you know, asked about webinars. Have you ever done webinars before? I was like, yeah, those don't work. And they said, did you do it Russell's way? Webinars don't work. They're like, did you do it Russell's way? And I was like, no. And so one of his books, Expert Secrets, I didn't even realize it, but literally it, it lays it out slide by slide. I was like, you know what? My way didn't work. Uh, I got to make some money by next week. And so uh, I literally, uh, this woman said, look, you've got a huge list. By the way, your number one asset is your list. Always be building your list. Build your list, build your list. It's your number one asset. And so I did have a list. And so she said, send this email, set up a Zoom thing, do a webinar. And then that night, like the night before, so this was like Thursday. So on Friday, I said, okay, I'm gonna uh, do slides his way. I got nothing to lose. And I literally thought, you know, an hour or two. So I'm going through the whole book slide by slide. It took me till three in the morning uh, to actually finish it. Had the new slideshow, did it his way and Within two days, I had $4,000 from a free webinar. I was like, oh, <laughs> damn, it's that, excuse me, it's that ego thing again. And But when I did it his way, it worked. And I've been doing them since 2018 his way. I still tweak it slightly for my style. But at the same time, you know, he, he taught me you don't teach in a webinar. You give them the what, you don't give them the how. So they walk away having more clarity. But anyway, so long story short, it, is, it saved my business. And even though I was working hard, I had my head in the sand and I wasn't keeping an eye on the numbers. Hmm. Wow. What, what was the title of that book? Expert Secrets by- Expert Russell. Secrets by- Russell Brunson. Okay. Um, and it's called, he calls it the perfect webinar. As, as you, uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask you uh, another a separate question about your upcoming book. As you look as you look to this period of of COVID, and certainly it's been a, a challenging time for many. There have been some, I, I think, some real gifts uh, of COVID. Um, uh, not not losing sight of I think compassion needs to be our next uh, best practice. Um, but as you as you look to the future, what are you most excited about? Hmm. Well, without sounding like a suck up, I am looking forward to having the book done by you guys. And it's uh, I started off with humor. That was my category. Uh, back in the 1990s because I came over from stand-up. I wrote a book, business book, Laugh and Get Rich. Those were the only two subjects that I cared about and I co-authored it with Rick Siegel. And then all of a sudden speaking and presentations for 20 years, had, literally 20 years has been my subject. So I'm actually excited to go back to this book, which uh, by the way, I don't know if Henry told you, Mark, I wrote it in 17 days ironically. Uh, I, it was like a download. I had created the speech, but then I went to, I live in Vegas. I went to Lake Las Vegas every day when I had the thought, I got to make this a book because it helped my students and they put it to action and it worked. I was like, 
I need to make this a book. And so I went there every day for three or four hours and it just poured out of me. Uh, God bless Henry and the editors for fixing all of my dyslexic mistakes. But um, I'm really excited about going back to what I believe in and what got me here, which is the motivation to go uh, continue when nobody nobody says you should do this, you know, um, giving other people that thing. Like no one ever told me I could be a comedian and I could be on stage and help people and make them laugh. And so I want that for other people. When I was uh, eight years old, um, Mark, you don't know this story, but when I was eight years old, I was, uh, I was my Polish family, so I'm half French, half Polish, my Polish Catholic family, they got together every holiday. I had these two aunts that would laugh like in harmony, woof, woof, and you can't not laugh. And my brother and cousin were like class clowns. They had everybody laughing. They were recapping Steve Martin, Saturday Night Live skits. And I was about eight years old. I'm sitting there at the kids table, the rickety card table, and they had everybody laughing. And I just loved seeing that. I, and I wanted to be a part of it. So I stood up and I threw out a punchline and I hushed my whole family. And I slid back into my seat and I said, I will never, ever try to be funny again. So fast forward to 92 after my subway failure, um, my buddy saw that I was depressed and he gave me these motivational tapes of Brian Tracy and I'm driving down the road and he asked a question. He said, what would you dare to dream if you knew you wouldn't fail? And my answer was, I'd be a comedian. I'm like, Where'd that come from? And all of a sudden the voice of reason said, but you're not funny, but that wasn't the question. And I believe that question at the right time from Brian Tracy woke up that eight year old dreamer. Mm. And so the fact, like if I died tomorrow, I, it would be okay. I got to do and be on stage and do what I love. Um, it, it's not gonna get too much cooler than that one moment in, in 2001, but hey, I appreciate every one of them. Darren, thank you. And um, what, uh, give us the title of the book. Uh, at the current time, until um, I get a, a slapping from Mark LeBlanc tomorrow, um, it will be 17 minutes to your dream, how to get the breakthroughs you need. Well, um, the title means a lot more to me today than it did when I first uh, read your manuscript. But um, I, I do look forward to just chatting with you uh, a little bit about that. Um, you know, in, in the world of professional speakers, it, it seems as if there are a number of different genres uh, of speakers. And so many speakers have the dream of earning a fee in front of an audience. And I know that you've done that. But I also know that you have staged a lot of your own events and retreats. Can you talk about that for just a moment? The, the power of staging your own events. Yeah, these are the current book titles that are that are um, book covers that are fighting it out, and I'm I'm losing. Um, but anyway, sorry. Going back, I was trying to connect that in. But um, going back to so my own events hosting my own events. I'm sorry, please remind me of the question. I'm only a man. Yeah, the, the opportunity with staging your own events. Hmm. Well, I remember I was, I used to be enamored with the NSA stage. I wanted to be on the big stage. I thought that was cool. And after I started realizing, oh, there's some politics going on behind there. And, and I'm not 
great in the right people's mind. And I, I was, I used to be frustrated. I grew up and I, uh, I realized, hey, I can build my own stage. I can have my own events. And at the time I was actually teaching a humor boot camp, So that was the one event that I had, which I made, uh, created with my comedy mentor. His name is Dave Fitzgerald. And together um, I brought him into the speaking world. He helped me write jokes. And together we created this humor boot camp, which I've trademarked. And that was my one event. And then after 2001, I was like, I teamed up with the other world champions and we have a storytelling one, how to create a presentation one and, and basically branched out. And then our big one was called Lady and the Champs originally. So I remember uh, both Henry and Mark, you know, Patricia Fripp, of course, uh, I called her up one day when I, and I was very sheepish because she's Patricia Fripp. I'm down here, she's a legend. And I called her up and I said, Patricia, I have this idea for an event. And, and for those of you who don't know, she's British and very proper, and she's awesome. She has a heart of gold, but she's very direct. She says things to me like, Darren, we don't say the word stuff, smack, and she hits me. Um, but anyway, so I asked her, I said, Patricia, would you do this event with uh, me and the champs? So for, and marketing wise, we were celebrities in Toastmasters. She was celebrity in NSA, which we were not. The reason behind teaming up was she had a different list than we did. So we could tap into her list, she could tap into our list, so we could bring it together and market this event. And so I said, Patricia, and here's, here's what we'll call the event, Lady and the Champs. She said, I love it, let's do it. And so on the name alone, she gave us that one shot to, uh, to win her over and get her on our side. So anyway, so uh, that's, how that's that great. I introduced her at a meeting once and I said, uh, three champs and a tramp. And, uh, and she thought she just, she howled, uh, at that introduction. Um, if you had, I, I want to go back to writing a book in 17 days. Mm. What, what piece of advice would you have for somebody who's gotten stuck or stalled out? or is languishing in the writing of their book? Consistency. You, you're gonna have times of doubt. The best advice I ever heard was write before breakfast. So the rest of your day doesn't get in the way. But for me, it was like, I need to do this. And it was the consistency. So even if you have days, where you sit in your front of your computer, you do nothing else, the TV's not on, there's no distractions and even if you just think or do research. If you're doing research, you might come up with an article or find a statement or find an idea um, that will catapult you through this block. So I don't, the, the 17 minutes one was just a, I was um, obsessed. I had the keynote speech, it helped people. So I already had it basically planned out, but then it was just sitting down and like letting it flow. And that's never happened to me for any length of time like that before. So all I can say was divine inspiration. And I was just, uh, I was just the fingers touching the keyboard, <laughs> but I really, you know, again, it goes back to, I want to help that eight year old dreamer in my audience who's listening to me, who has that self doubt. I had huge self doubt. I wasn't even funny. No one ever said I should be on stage and yet the consistency of stage time, stage time, stage time. So 
It's writing time, writing time, fingers to keyboards, and just keep it. And even if you don't type a thing, if you sat down and focused thought on it, you're that much closer to your next breakthrough. I don't know if I've answered that, Mark, but. You know, I, uh, I needed to hear uh, right before breakfast. Uh, Henry, note to self, I think that could be a book title <laughs> mm -hmm. or, or, a, or a chapter of a book. Uh, and um, we certainly are also fans of uh, consistency. Um, and, and, and you mentioned sucking up and, and uh, regardless of, you know, one of the things I've always admired about Henry and uh, being a partner, a business partner, uh, with Henry is that we don't really care if somebody works with us or not. Um, we just want to be helpful. Um, you know, there's a lot of different paths to publishing. And if we are somebody's cup of tea, great. But if we're not, we want to be as helpful and as generous as we can. Um, because we think, we think on our tombstone, it should read, write of the right book. Uh, and make your dream come true. Because I think that for so many people, um, their dream is at risk. Absolutely. And you, in my book, I have a chapter, it says you are the CEO of your dream. You are the CEO, you can't delegate that. It's your dream. <laughs> you are the CEO. And uh, if I can share one one quick idea from it, um, so what I did, the premise of the book and truly what I did is I had a dream that I let go of because of my business failure, which is to, um, to write a script, a screenplay, Henry and I were talking about that earlier, write a screenplay, uh, which is my quote unquote Rudy story. And I took eight years to write it. And when I was done, uh, it was 2018 and I quit my dream because I had to focus on my business. So I put it aside. Really what I was afraid of was I didn't know how to sell it to Hollywood. Writing is one thing, getting a movie company to take it over is completely different. So in January 1st, I was like, you know what my friends, all right, this might sound lame, but my friends did a, uh, what do they call that? When you dive into the cold water on January 1st, the polar bear plunge or something polar like plunge. It doesn't have the meaning. I said that to a group in Alaska and I'm living in Vegas. They, they have to cut holes in ice. We just, ooh, it's a little chilly. Ooh, big, big deal. But my friends were doing that. I think you guys might know Mark Camp, fellow speaker, but he actually said, you know, come over and doing a polar plunge. I said, you know what? That's not gonna change my life. And I said, but what would is if I dive back into my dream, if I go all in. So on January 1st, I started doing the 17 minutes to your dream, which is literally taking my phone, turning on a timer and doing at least 17 minutes. And then I have an accountability buddy. Uh, if I do 18, if my goal is to do an hour or two, but if I committed to an hour or two, there'd be days I wouldn't do anything. But if it's just 17 minutes, even on a bad busy day, I can do that. Uh, and I still have once in a while, I call it a hiccup day where it, nothing happens, but okay, just keep going. It was a hiccup, shut up, move on. So I do that every day. And um, so on uh, on January 18th, so I track it because I'm a, I'm a numbers geek. I've tracked uh, and I'll mark if you want to see it tomorrow, every minute that I've ever done since January 1st. 
And so on January 18th, I said, you know what? Um, let me go back to my research that I did a couple of years ago and find the like movies and the like directors, the companies that built, you know, create movies like Rudy, like uh, The Rookie, like uh, Miracle, like Soul Surfer. So I'm like looking at my notes and I had Sean McNamara and I had Soul Surfer and I'm like, I think he did that. So I went on the IMDB site, the International Movie Database site, and I'm doing my research and I look and I'm like, sure enough, Soul Surfer, 2011. And I was like, huh, I wonder what else he did. So I look, don't, never heard of it, never heard of it, never heard of it, never heard of it. And I get to the top and it says, Butch Bradley live from Las Vegas. I was like, what? He produced, he produced a stand-up comedy uh, show on Amazon Prime Sean McNamara, the director of Soul Surfer, produced uh, Butch Bradley live from Butch Bradley used to open for me back in the day, and I was like, "You, you, what? You know Sean McNamara?" And I was in the audience when they filmed it. Didn't even, you know, had I not done that research, I wouldn't have even known I had a connection. So anyway, I said, "Hey," I called him up, Butch, the, up the next day. I was like, "Do you know Sean McNamara?" He said, "Yeah, of course." He goes, "In fact, I just came back from Oklahoma. I just filmed this scene for the Reagan movie. They're doing a movie now about Ronald Reagan, where Dennis Quaid plays Ronald Reagan." He said, "I played the comedian in the movie. You know, they brought me over to to play that scene." He goes, "I, I, I was like, what?" <laughs> And so he connected me with uh, the company that um, Sean and David Brookwell have, and I was able to submit my script to them. Now, I have not heard anything back. I've submitted it twice, but I'm following up on every lead, just like I did in my old stand-up days, you know, anyone that could possibly. So my point is that day that I did only uh, 18 minutes, excuse me, 38 minutes that day, I did only 38 minutes you don't know which minutes will matter. You don't know which minutes will matter. And that's the point. So I might even have a screenshot of it, but um, anyway, so that answer that or? Uh, it, it sure did. Um, Darren, I just wanna uh, shine a light. Uh, your website is darrenlacroix.com. Uh, Yes. And um, I believe that you have a gift for our viewers and listeners. Um, yes. Um, they, if I've been coaching presenters for two decades, and <laughs> I've seen every mistake, and I see the same mistakes over and over again. So I created a free, a freebie giveaway called the top 10 speaking mistakes. You know, I've seen it over and over again. So. Um, if you go to, you can find it on darrenlacroix.com, but beasponge.com is a little bit more direct, beasponge.com, and you can download, it's free. Um, you're signing up for my newsletter, but you can opt off of that if you want, no worries. But it's a PDF download of the top 10 speaking mistakes and because of virtual, the top 10 virtual mistakes. So two separate reports, they're free. Um, just check out beasponge.com. Um, Darren, I'm excited about your book because I've had an opportunity to uh, preview and read your manuscript. And to our listeners and our viewers out there, uh, Darren LaCroix, uh, if you've not been familiar with his work, you now know that um, he's not only a great speaker, uh, but an award-winning presenter, uh, a man of faith, and an all-around a great uh, guy and mentor and coach uh, and speaker. 
and friend. Darren, count me a fan. Hmm. And thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thanks for having me and thanks for what you do for people like they if you guys are considering working with these guys they're professional they get it they get it it's not just have a book it's have the right book for the right market and making it a good book so let them guide you i have invested twice in this year with you guys creating two books through you so um you have my friendship and you have my money uh and i'm thrilled about the outcome you're going to help me get so thank you guys all right uh, thank you darren and that's a wrap